Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? We're going to go ahead and dismiss the children right now. Come on, give it up for the kids. We have the greatest teach, uh, children's teachers in all of southwest Louisiana. Come on. We can give it up. They, they give their time, their effort, and uh, our kids just don't eat fishies and uh, Kool-Aid and bring them back and hyper to you and you got to deal with them. But uh, we, we plant the word of God in their hearts. And so this morning, I'm just so glad to be here. This is the, actually the last uh, message that I'm going to give on God is. But God is a lot of things. We've talked about that God is our best friend, that he's the, he's the teacher. We talked about him being the miracle worker. How many of you have had a miracle in your life before? How many of you believe him for a miracle? He is a miracle worker. Not only that, we talked about that he's the shepherd. And last week, we talked about he's coming again. Are you ready for him to come again? And uh, so this morning, what I wanted to do is, you know, we, we've done different images. You saw the little different images of Jesus. And sometimes I wonder, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to go to Sunday school and I'd get those little flannel stick-on things, you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and I think that was kind of what Jesus was. And, and, I, and, I, and then, you know, I thought he had blue, blue eyes and, uh, you know, kind of blonde. He, he kind of, uh, you know, better looking than Brad Pitt and everything else and, but, uh, you know, as I got older and I, I got saved, I began to realize he was, he, the Bible says that he was, he was just common to look upon. But he was God in the flesh. You see, you know, this series is, is not about what Jesus looks like, but it's about who Jesus is. And as we've been talking about, our theme scripture this whole time, basically the whole summer, has been this. It's the first Corinthians. Let's go back to that. If you want to, you can go, go to John chapter 1, because that's where we're going to kind of talk about some things this morning. But it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And it says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus, who he is. And that's what we've been talking about. Who is he? Who Jesus is. And then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. You know, today what I'm going to do is I want to talk about Jesus is God. And see, why, you know, when I do that, why do, why do we include Jesus as God in this, in this series? It's because our culture has a problem many times with Jesus being God. What do you mean by that, Pastor Bubba? Well, you know, it, it's like... They have ideas, you know, some people have an issue with that. And, and we have a society that, that, that just, is, is just really tolerant. You know, it's like, what I mean by it is like, what do you believe? Well, I believe this. Oh, that's cool. You can believe what you want to believe. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, and it's, oh, you believe in that God thing? That's okay. You can believe in God thing. But I'm going to believe in what my thing. And I've heard some of the weirdest. How many of you have been around people that just have weird ideas about religion and God? How many are you talking about? I mean, I've been around, I mean, listen, I lived on the streets, lived on the streets. I worked in the streets and lived on the streets of America and been in every major city in America just about. And I've met some wild people. I've, I've done college, I've been on college campuses where people are supposed to go, supposed to be going to get a seminary degree. And really they go there to get a, uh, to get Go to seminary, and it's more like a cemetery. They die in loving God. And so, you know, it's like we have all these strange ideas. 
And, you know, this morning what I want to do is that, you know, the truth is Jesus is God. We have to understand people are uncomfortable with that. You know, I heard of a, 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 a group that a while back they had a prayer line. And what they did is when they had the prayer line, they, they said, you know, we need to make a prayer line so people can call in and get answers about God. So they said, well, let's just set up. We're going to do it for everybody. Let's set up a prayer line for atheists. So they set up a prayer line for atheists so if people called in, they could find out about God. But if an atheist, if they pressed the button and said they were atheists, the call would continue to ring. And they would go switch and go, I have questions about God. And then it would put them on hold. And it would never answer their question. Because, you know, the reality is, if you don't get it, atheists don't believe there is a God. And see, 1 John Chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and that was Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, that's Jesus, was, the, with, was with God in the beginning. Though Jesus, or through him, that's Jesus, all things were made. Without him, that's Jesus, nothing was made that has been, that has been made. In him, that's him again, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. In other words, you know what? In the beginning was Jesus. It was his father and him in the beginning. Then you go down in uh, chapter 14, I mean, uh, verse 14, it says, The word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Aren't you glad for God's grace in your life? I think God, the Bible says, the truth will set you free. How many of you know that sometimes the truth hurts? I have a good friend of mine, he was going to the Lord, and he was in prayer one day, and his wife had been telling him, he said, you know, baby, you're kind of getting big, you're kind of fat, and you just need to, you know, and they, they kind of get over the years, say, so you just need to lose some weight. And so he went to the Lord, and he said, and, you know, he told his wife, he said, well, my mom always said I was husky. And so he went to the Lord, and the Lord, and he said, Lord, do you love me? He said, oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. He said, Lord, I just got to ask you a question. It's true. He goes, you think I'm fat? He goes, well, let's put it this way. You continue to live the way you are. I'll see you sooner than you really want to be here. The brother immediately started losing weight. That's all I got to say. And I'm not, this is not a weight class. This is not a scare. Okay, you see those at 2 o'clock in the morning if you can't sleep. But this morning, he says in, in verse 26, look at what it says. That then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be, to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock of all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. In the beginning of time, Jesus was there. You know, there's a story about a little guy named Johnny, and he, he was going to Sunday school, and he was learning about God, and they were talking about creation. And as they were talking about creation, he was learning, you know, all the things and how uh, God created Adam, and then out of Adam's rib, he created Eve. And, you know, he was all excited about learning about the things of God. And then one day, he's laying on his couch, and he, his mama walks in the room, and he goes, he goes, Johnny, what's wrong? He said, oh, Mom. He said, man, my, my side 
I had this pain in my side. It really hurts. He said, I think I'm about to have a wife. (laughs) Anyway. You know, I just know this. In the very beginning of time, Jesus was there. And see, Jesus made a claim to be God that no one else did. And that's what I want to talk to you about the first things. Number one is Jesus claimed to be God. That's where the conflict starts. This isn't in your notes, but it's in, it's in John chapter 10. It says, the Father and I are one. What would it be like if someone walked into your office and said to, to you or me and said, you know, me and God are the same. Now, how many of you would go that's like, wait a minute. Have you just gotten out of the Looney Tune farm? Come on. And, and so this is what happened is the religious leaders had a real problem with Jesus. And see, Jesus was betrayed by Judas and he was put on trial. Remember? All, and the religious leaders wanted him, they wanted him to die because he made a claim that he was God in the flesh. Look at Matthew. It says this. It says, Matthew, it says, I broke it up. Matthew 26, it says, the chief priests were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they did not find any. Then they said, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, it is, as you said, Jesus replied. Yes, they went, there is, yes, he said it. Jesus claimed to be God. You may not have an issue with this, but there's a lot of people that have issue with that. You see, people had a lot lot more a lot more issues with the second claim I'm fixing to make. See, Jesus said that he was God. The second claim that Jesus claimed is to be the only way. You know, people have an issue with that. You know, that's a bold statement. And what he does, and Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Buddha, you can't get it through Buddha. You can't get it through Muhammad. And you sure can't get it at... Kingdom Hall with Jehovah Witnesses. That's where they all, all the liars congregate every week because they've lied to you and you believe the lie. I'll just tell you that right now. And you go, are you being mean to them? My grandmother's Jehovah Witness. Half my family on one side is Jehovah Witness. They need the Lord. Can I tell you that? I remember she, you get mad at me after I went to Bible college and been on the streets. And, you know, and, and, first, and, and John, these chapters, that verse I read, you know, that, that's where they try to start, and they try to get you on things. And I, when they come to my door, I just go, hey, we're with the, you know, whatever. And I always agree with them. I said, well, I'm a Jehovah Witness. They go, what? Brother, it's so good to me. I've never seen you at the hall. And when the, when the, when the Mormons come, and they're with the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Man, I'm a Latter-day Saint. I believe he's coming back. Are y'all with me? I got a bug or something on me again. But it says this, it says, people have an issue with it. Jesus is talking to his disciples about heaven. Remember, it's, it says, I'm the way. Either you trust him, it's heaven or hell's in the balance. Are you hearing me? He said, I'm the way. He said, I'm going to go to the Father. What did he say? And I'm going to prepare a place for you. Remember that. He said, I'm going to go prepare a place. And see, Jesus is talking to his disciples about heaven. And Thomas comes to him and he says, Lord, how do we get there? And just what Jesus said, he's this this is how he responded. He said, he said, Thomas, guys, he said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You know, 
our culture said, well, that's pretty narrow. That's, are you narrow-minded? I just believe this bold declarations will require great risk. And when you start be- proclaiming something, you're going to have to take risk about what you proclaim. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And see, this morning, Jesus confirmed that he was narrow-minded in Matthew. Look at me in Matthew chapter, it's in your notes, chapter 7. It says, you can enter the kingdom of, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The, way, the highway to hell is broad. Come on. Come on, ACDC fans. You know, the highway to hell, remember that song? Come on, Wally, put your hand down. It's broad. It's wide. And he says, and the gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road, look what it says, is difficult. And only a few will ever find it. In other words, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Mark says it like this. He says, Jesus' disciples left Galilee and went up to the village. You remember that story where they're going into, and they're, they're preaching, and, and, and Jesus asked them, he says, guys, who do you say that I am? Well, so, Lord, some say you're a good teacher. Some say you're Morrow, you're a good man. Others say you're a prophet. But he said, who do you say I am? Remember old Peter? He was, Lord, you're the Christ. My question is to you is, who do you say Jesus is? Was he a moral teacher, just a good guy? I found an excerpt in C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, and he wrote this. A man who was, merely, who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or on the level with a man who would say he was a poached egg. Or he would be the devil of hell. You must, make, you must take your choice. Either this was, this was uh, the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a good human teacher. He, was, he has not left that open to us. You see... You know, I believe this. Jesus made a claim that no one else made. Either he was the son of God or he was a liar. He was a false teacher. And you know what? I, I believe that, you know, he's one of those two things. He's either a liar or a lunatic or he's Lord. And see, I believe this. There was a, a famous guy, Dr. Uh, Simon Greenfield, Leaf, uh, Greenleaf. That was actually, if you've ever, uh, in Harvard Law School, he's one of the two guys that was the top guys that, that, that was really set Harvard Law School to what it would become. Because he based everything on evidence. He began, what he did is he did the study. He did a work and the study of evidence. And actually, he was a believer and he loved the Lord with all of his heart. I don't know if you know that Princeton and Harvard and Yale, they were all started by strong Christian foundations. People that love God. It strayed far away. But anyway, he was a leader, and he happened to be a believer, and he, had, there was more, he said there's more historical evidence that the fact of the resurrection that's not just it, it, than any other human event in all of the world. Imagine, here's one evidence. How was the calendar set up? It was before Jesus and after he died. Our whole world calendar set up on him. 
on that one event. That's evidence that he existed. There was evidence in the resurrection. And see, I, I, this morning, what does Jesus have to offer us since he's God? What does he have to offer us? Philippians says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and the Father. What is the difference between our God and all the other religions and all the other gods? What is the difference? I I think I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is for the next few minutes, in just a few minutes, what I want to do is I want to show you four things that you have to experience and that you will experience when you become a believer. The first thing is, you know, it's it's like this. You know, Jesus allows us to experience four things to know that he's God. And I want to share those four things. Is that okay? Okay? And so you remember the story about the blind man and remember Jesus put some mud in his eyes and, you know, he spit on this, he had a spittle and, and, he, and he put that mud in that guy's eyes and he, and, and he went, told him to go wash and he was like, oh, I see, oh. Can you imagine the miracle of that? And what happens is this blind man's healed and the religious leaders want to disprove it. You remember the story? And so they start questioning his parents and his parents go, hey, wait a minute. We don't want to get caught up in this religious argument. He's old enough to tell you himself. Then they went to the blind beggar, the blind guy. And I love in John, he says, finally they turn again to the blind man. What have you have to say about him? And I like what he says. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. God's power is not just on the healing side, but it's also on the forgiveness side. See, I believe this. You have to experience the power of God. How many of you know that, you know, when you experience the power of God, many times you need to get desperate. How many of you ever been desperate for God? Come on, let's be honest. Your back's against the wall. It's rescue 911. No one's coming. You think God's late. How many of you know he's never late? He's not on your time. But he, he's not, you know what I mean? He's on his time schedule. Just because the bill says it's due yesterday, that doesn't mean God's going to show up when you think he needs to show up. Are y'all with me? But he will show up. See, I believe this. You can't, I just say this. You can't, you can't have an argument with a person that has a changed life. You just can't. I was talking to one of my friends the other day, yesterday, and I said, man, I saw... I saw the church y'all planted in Colorado. It made the architectural design thing, number one church architectural. He said, yeah, that's one thing about Colorado, all right. It's great, beautiful building and everything, but people over there, they don't, they're not serious about God. If the snow falls, they're all going to play in the mountains. If it don't fall, they're going to find their bike. But no one shows up at church. He said, you know, it's just different. Baba, people just aren't desperate for God. See, I believe this. When you need the power of God, I believe this. Desperate people find the power of God. That doesn't mean you have to have something happen to you. See, well, Pastor Bubba, I really don't want nothing bad to happen because that, and when then I do, then I, I mean, I just don't want that. You know what I'm saying? And you, you go, how many of you want to experience the power of God? People go, oh, 
What do I have to get to do that? See, the fact that with Jesus, you know, imagine Jesus didn't just heal him. But remember what he says? You know what guy? Remember the guy that had the mat that he healed? He says, what is it easier to say? To rise and be healed or say your sins are forgiven? Let me tell you, the greatest demonstration of the power of God is the forgiveness of my sins. And your sins. That's the greatest power that God could take a life that was messed up. And he goes, you know what? Forgiven. I don't see that. I see the blood of my son over you. And you are washed. You are cleansed. You are whole. And some of you, that ought to set you free. And that ought to make some of you shout in here because we don't know what you did this week, but we got a video of it. No, we don't. And for some of you, you know, you're going, yes. How many of you are glad that you're forgiven? Oh, come on. Y'all can do better than that, church. I feel like that sometimes. Well, can you explain to me how God changed your life? I feel like the blind man. I go, I don't know, but I used to be messed up. I used to be selling drugs. I used to be a dope head, but now I'm a hope head. Hallelujah. But anyway, the thing is, is that the bottom line is I know what I used to be, but I'm not there anymore. But that doesn't, listen, yesterday was yesterday with all its regrets. Are you hearing me? And to, you know, and today, I, and, and, and tomorrow, it's coming. But I need to live for today. And you need to live for today. And you can't allow your past to dictate what your today will be and what your future outcome will be. See, some of you, you're like a pig. And I hate to say this, okay? But I'm going to say it, all right? I got this thing coming on me, all right? Some of you are just satisfied like a little happy pig playing in your own pig pen. But sooner or later, the, the mud's going to dry up and there ain't no more mud to play in. What do you do with a pig that ain't got enough pig pen to play with? You just dry up and shrivel up. And see, for some of us, I, I just want to say this. God never intended, let me just say this. In Corinthians, is. He said, I don't count your sins against you. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians 5. I don't count your sins against you. Jesus never intended, listen to me, he never intended for you and I to live a powerless life. You know, I'm looking for a good plug, but I can't, here it is. I'll probably mess something up, but that's okay. It won't be the last time. It won't be the first time. Can I, do I have permission to unplug this? Or is it going to mess up things? Okay, there you go. All right. I'm asking permission, all right? How does this thing? I turn the volume. Is that bad? Okay, here we go. No? Okay, well, forget it. All right, if I press these buttons and they let me play the music. Feel heaven in here? <laughs> but you know what? You can have all that sound, but I tell you what. It's all related to it's hooked up into the power cord. But if I unplug this power cord, See, let me just say something. I'm going to plug it back. Turn this off. I think. 
But see, you know what happens to a lot of us? We wonder why we go through things and why we have difficulty with people around us. You know, let me just say, most of your marriages, look at me, I'm going to do a little marriage counseling just for a second. Most of your marriages are this. You're looking for God. You're looking for your, your mate. You can only, let me just say, you can only get from God what you need, not from your mate. And what we've done is we've made our mate like some divine person that's going to meet all our expectations and all of our needs. And how many of you know that's not going to happen? You can only get that when you're connected to God. Listen, my wife is beautiful. She's awesome. But let me tell you, me in the flesh and her in the flesh, I reminded of a guy that I know. He was, him and his wife, he, they invited a guy to live in their house, and, and, and they, were, they were fighting. You ever had those fights where they're just not, they're not godly at all? And they're fighting. He said, we're just going to be real around them and just let them see what we're like and everything. So they're actually fighting. And he said, it's so good. I mean, they're like, and they're both competitive. Like, no one's going to lose. Y'all have those kind of fights? It's getting real quiet in here. It's not a moment of silence. And they're in, there, they're in it. And all of a sudden, this guy that's living with them that they're trying to help and everything else, and they, as they're fighting, they're, they're really getting into it. All of a sudden, they hear this guy, he's on his knees, and he goes, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And they stopped fighting, and they started laughing. Can you imagine that happening to you? Pastor Bible, what does that have to do with anything? God planned for you and I to have power. Say it with me. Say power. Power. Power to live a victorious life. I love what it, in Acts chapter 1, if you've been raised in Assemblies of God, Pentecostal, or non-denominational, you know this scripture. It says this, it says, and here's the, way, here's, here's the promise of power, but you will receive power, what? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You know what a witness is? Somebody that's been plugged in. They were living a life that didn't have any power. And then all of a sudden they got what you call hooked up. And whoa, shoot, power. You ever touch a cord that's got a live? Huh? I mean, you ever had a revelation of that? I remember playing my Daniel, my Walt Disney, Davy Crockett, 33 and a half album. And my first experience with electrical power. I thought, I wonder what would happen. I'm just, you know, like six, five, six. What would happen if I just kind of when I'm plugging in and put my finger right there? You know what I'm saying? How many of you have ever tried that? Hey, come on, come on, give yourself away. And then I just, hey, gang, mom. And I said a word probably I shouldn't have. My mom washed my mouth out with soap. <laughs> but he says power. You know, when you look at Greek, it means deutimus. And what that really is, is where we get the word dynamite. And God wants to give you explosive, miraculous power that you live a victorious life. Amen? When everybody else got the mully grubs, when everybody else is going through something, when people got the mopes, you ain't got it. You got the power of God. God has set that governor on you, and you're not living by your circumstances, but you're living by faith and trust in the living God that can get you through whatever you're facing. The second thing is, you have to experience, see, not only his power, but you have to experience his presence. There's no substitute for the presence of God. 
I believe this. If God doesn't show up, we're in trouble. Corinthians says it like this. But if you are an unbeliever or someone does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all, all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. And the secrets of his heart will be made bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among us. There's a presence. If you're, if you're really encountering God, you know what? People will experience the power, the presence of God. You know, how many of you have ever experienced the presence of God? My desire when you walk in this building is you experience as we worship, as we sing, as we prepare, as people play up here. And it's not about the music. It's not about the stage. We can get all those things ready. And it's not about the preaching, but it's more that you feel and you sense the presence of the living God come upon your life and go, you know what, God, I want to do more. I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to honor you. My life is worth everything. I don't want to play games. So let me tell you something. You know why you're down, you're depressed, you're discouraged? It's because you're not plugged in, baby. And when you get plugged in, and you know what? I like to say this. In order to get the presence of God, you've got to be a worshiper. Listen, you're going to sing an anthem to somebody. It may be to Hank Williams Jr. I don't know. You're going to sing that, you know? You're going to sing an anthem, a rock and roll. It could be Journey. They were just here in town. Don't light your lighters. But anyway. It could be all those different kind of people. I don't whatever. But you're going to sing an anthem to somebody and something. Are you hearing me? And we should worship God. You see, you talk about, I remember the first time that I ever experienced the presence and the power of God was when I got saved and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I felt God's presence. I had an encounter. I had an experience with God. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how much philosophy you have. I don't care if you, were, you got a PhD or whatever. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And try to disprove what happened to me. You're never going to disprove it. Because literally, I remember getting on my knees, and I remember the power of God when I confessed my sins, and I realized Jesus would forgive me, and he forgave me. It was like something. It was like literally something like I used to experience. This is how I used to, I used to base everything on how I felt. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You smoke a little of this and you go, hmm, feel good. Drink a little of that and you go, yeah, come on, baby, let's go. Shake a leg, two, three, whatever. But it comes a point where I literally experience the presence of God. And can I tell you something? When I got up from that moment, I was never the same. Never the same. Never. I went back to my place, got rid of all the junk that I needed to get rid of, started, and, and started sharing with my friends what happened. And they thought I was crazy. And they were going, you've been brainwashed. I said, well, if you knew what was in my brain, you would know that it needed to be washed. But see, people are praying for you. You came this morning. People came. Before you came, there's people that are praying in a room right here in our church. Right now, they're praying that you experience the presence of God. Before you came this morning, I prayed that you would experience the presence of God. There's some of you that came. Before you came, you prayed, God, just show up this Sunday. Reveal yourself to someone. And you may be sitting in that chair, and you're that someone. How many desperate to see and experience the presence of God? Anybody desperate for God? Anybody in here desperate for God? 
You know what happens to desperate people? Somehow they just experience God. There's times in my life when I just was so desperate for God, food couldn't couldn't satisfy me. Just got desperate. Stop eating and go, God, I need you. There's things in my heart that just I'm sensing that you want to do. Have you ever had that moment where you just go, I got to get away from everybody. Got to get away from everything. I just need God. Anybody ever had that? I'm in the right church. You know, Moses even said, if you don't, it's not in your notes, but if you don't personally go with us, God, don't make us leave this place. He said, God, if you don't go with us, I ain't going. I'm not going to go. You see, we are desperate to experience the presence of God, and that's my desire, and I hope you have a hunger and a thirst to experience God's presence. And the third thing is I want you to experience God's peace. How does that happen? It happens through prayer. It happens through talking to God. This may be the best one ever, but Jesus never promised life would be easy. I didn't read in my I didn't I haven't read in the book of hesitations yet where he said that it would make things easy. But John said, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There's not a a one, two, three, I have peace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I know this, Jesus will give us peace in troubling situations, in difficult moments, in hard times, but there is a peace that God gives. I'm going to, it's okay. There is a peace in the midst, even no matter what you're going through. I'm not going to step on my glasses. No matter what, can I tell you something? I've, I've experienced things in my own life. Then when I was, had backed up, how many of you have had things where you just needed God to do a miracle in your life? Or someone in your believer or something. And then in the middle of all that, somehow when everything else seems like it's wacky all around you, and you look at the signs, but there's a peace in the middle of the storm. It's kind of like the eye of the hurricane. Everything else can be blown, but you're in the, you're in the eye. There, there's a peace in the midst of death. There's a peace and no fear in death. How many times that, I, that I've, I've sat with people or I've, I've talked with people, I've prayed with people on their, de- on their deathbed and goes, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not. I'm not afraid to die. Therefore, my grandmother, when she died, she wasn't afraid to die. She just, her thing, she goes, I just want to go home. And when she was dying, everybody go, go home. Go home, Nene, go home. Go be with Jesus. Why? Because that's where her heart was at. That didn't mean she didn't love us, but she wanted to go be the one that rescued her, that freed her, that set her free. There's a peace in the midst of strife and conflict. You know, I've learned this. When, when there's strife and conflict, the thing that helps strife and conflict, if you just stop and pray. When's the last time you and your mate 
had a conflict and you stopped and prayed? Don't raise your hand. But sometimes, and I'm not saying, Lord, I just pray for him. You know he's honoring. He needs you. He's stubborn. I've been trying to get through, get through his thick. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is, oh, God, help us not to be at this place. Give us peace. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know where to turn. Can you just help us? You promised that you would be our help in our ever-present time of need. Can you help us, Lord? There's a peace in the midst of a big decision. You know, there's times when I had to make a decision and God just came through. When we first got this land and stuff, we had to raise $100,000 in six and a half weeks. Okay, listen to me. And you got $800 in the bank? And I just started praying, and God, God, one guy calls, another guy calls. People come. We had 33 people in our church. That was mostly my relatives. And can I just say, in the end, we had six and a half, and at the end of the whole thing, we raised 100, I think $131,000. Is that awesome? See, thank you for you four or five people that clapped. It's not about me. God is awesome. And God's going to do greater things here. And he has, and he will, and he will continue will. But I've seen God in the middle of not knowing. I'm, like, I'm thinking there's been moments in my life where I go, God, it seems like everything and everybody is against me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? God, I don't see a way out of this. It's going to fall apart. Oh, God. But then God comes, and he just breathes what you need. Can I just say, you can experience God's peace in your life. No matter where you're at, no matter who you are. Philippians says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That prayer brings peace. Say it when prayer brings peace. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I want God to mark my mind with peace. Businessman, you may be wondering how I'm going to get to where I need to get to because I don't see how everything's going to go. Trust God. Stop and pray and say, God, what is it you're trying to do in me? Are you preparing my heart right now to receive what you're going to give me later? So, Lord, help me to learn right now. Student, you're in college. You don't know where to go, what to do. You don't know what your major is. You're, so you're playing campusology. Just walking around the campus going, I'm going to this class, but I don't have no direction. You know what? If you ask God for the God, how many of you know that God can give you direction? You ever get around an a 18, 19, 20-year-old person, they're going to college, hey, what are you going for? I don't know yet. I thought I was going for this. And listen, how many, when, when you were young, did you know what you were going to do? Let, let, me, let, me, 
let me raise you. How many of you knew exactly? How many of you knew exactly what you weren't going to do when you got out of high school? Raise your hand if you didn't know what you were going to do. Come on, raise it high. Come on, you just didn't know. Lord Jesus, help us. I'm in your crowd, and everybody else that knew what they were going to do. Can you raise your hand? Come on. God bless you. We have a different hemisphere of a brain. But God says that he gives peace. Here's my closing scripture. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God. This isn't in your notes. First, second Peter chapter one, verse two and three. And Jesus, our Lord, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You heard what it said? He's given us everything you need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. That's Jesus. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and experience. Can I just say this? You can experience God's power, God's presence, and his peace. Only when you experience, look at me, only when you experience God's salvation. You must know Jesus first, and he's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. In order to experience God's power, in order to experience God's presence, in order to experience God's peace, you have to have a salvation experience where you trust God with all your heart. Maybe you've never experienced Jesus. See, maybe you've experienced religion. Maybe you've experienced the things of God, but you've never experienced him. It's connecting. It's getting plugged in to God. That's why we have what we call our membership class, Next Step. For people that are saying, I want to know more about the church. I want to be involved. I want to, you need to come to Next Step next month. If you feel God's called you to be part of this, camp, this, this, this community of believers, this family of believers, you need to get connected. Just like, you know, in a family, you got to get connected in a family. Because, listen, we don't want you to come here and go on, well, I'll go to our Savior's church, but kind of like that little, you know, which way do I go? Which way do I go? And if you don't have a direction, you won't know where to go. Thanks for all those amens. You just won't know where to go, what to do, how to get there. God wants to put you on a mission that you know who you are, you know what God has done in your life, and you know what? You're not, you know what? It's not about a religion. It's about having an experience and having a personal, intimate relationship with the one that loves you, the one that sets you free. Amen? Can we pray? As we pray, let me just say, you don't have to say it out loud. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart, or you can whisper this. But I just want to pray. If you don't know the Lord this morning, would you just pray this prayer with me and say, Pastor Bella, I want to know and I want to experience God. I want to experience God's power. I want to experience God's presence. I want to experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. But I know I can't have those things unless I trust Him with all my heart. Because just like the Word says, He's the way. He's the truth. And He is the light. No matter where you're at. Some of you go, I knew the Lord at one time, but God's been maybe speaking to you and calling you back. Maybe you experienced things when you were a child, but you're not living by that experience anymore. 
I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to rub you the wrong way. But I, my desire is, it, is this, and I know how God works. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. He's been sharing with you. He's been talking to you. He's been saying things in your heart as you've sat there in that chair this morning. And what he's doing, he's drawing you. to That means he's just drawing you. He said, come on. Let's get connected. Let's get plugged in. I know this. If I'm not connected to God and me and my wife get in an argument, that ain't good. But I've connected to God and she's connected to God. It works out. Amen? Maybe some of your frustrations, maybe some of the things you've been wondering, why is this going, why, why, why? Maybe you're just not connected. And God's going, come on. Let's get connected. Let's pray this prayer, everyone. And you don't have to be loud or whatever you want to be. That's okay. I'm just going to pray with you. And as I pray, you just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you. You know who I am. But Lord, I know that I'm not where I need to be. Would you forgive me for making excuses? For allowing things to cloud my mind that I look back and they're just... They're just sins in my life. They're strongholds. They're things that have me. And Lord, I don't want to be controlled by things anymore, or circumstances, or situations, or by my feelings, or by my emotions. But Lord, I want to trust you with all of my life in faith. Believing what I don't see, but knowing what you can do. And Lord, I thank you that I can leave the results to you, and you can change me today and I call out to you right now and I ask that you would come into my heart forgive me change me make me new I know that you're the way you're the truth and you're the life I want that life I want that life that's filled with your presence with your peace and with your power come into my heart. Live. Have your way. I'll serve you for the rest of my life from this day forward. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we give everybody a hand clap this morning? Come on. This morning, if you prayed that prayer, God loves you. He's with you. Not only does he, he love you and he's with you, he's going to help you. That's why, let me just say this. In this couple weeks, we're going to be starting a new series, and I'm gonna, it's going to be called Fresh Air. And Zach shared a little commercial at the beginning. But really, it's, a, it's really about being desperate for God and having God's presence live in your life. Some of you are at a place in your life, and I'm going to talk about the next couple weeks. Some of you are at a place where you just know there's more. Some of you, you're just kind of in the humdrums. You know what? You're kind of, you know, you know the old, the old uh, sailors, if they would, you, you had, if you got caught up in the equator, there was no wind there. And some of you feel like the wind of the Spirit is just like it's not there and you're staying. And unless something moves, you're not going anywhere. And my desire is that you would allow the wind of the Spirit begin to blow the sail of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
to bring you to a direction where you find everything God has for you. But it happens. Let me just say, like I shared this morning, it's, it's, it's not a commercial. This is for today. It happens when you get desperate. It happens. Desperate people change things. Amen? Desperate people find God. Desperate people bring change. Amen? And my desire that you get desperate this week. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to pray something over you you might not like, but I'm, I'm going to pray over it. If you don't like it, say, Lord, avoid that one on me. But I'm going to pray it anyway. Father, this morning, I pray for everyone here. I thank you. I, I pray your blessings. But Lord, I pray you would make them miserable so they come to that point of desperation. They find their purpose and their desire. And God, the life call upon their lives, Lord. Lord, you know everything they need. And I pray that you would bring that. I pray the peace of God that passes all understanding. I pray the favor of God. But Lord, more than any of that, I pray your blessings upon every heart and every individual. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Stand to your feet. He's going to lead us in a song at the end. And we love you and God bless you. As you're, dis- you're dismissed and you hug someone, give them a high five.